Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. The phrase, stand in the gap, creates a really good image. Because it says that there is a hole, there's a separation, there's a problem. And between those two, someone needs to stand. We think we live in some really bad times. They're pretty bad. God is mocked. Christians are scorned. The Bible is ignored. And all kinds of immorality exist. And we fight those things those temptations that are around us every day, we fight them. And yet, it's not any different, really. The book of Ezekiel is a book written while the people of God were in captivity in Babylon. They stayed there for 70 years. God wrote or gave nine apparently different visions, at least the way the book Ezekiel records them as far as the years in which they were given, nine different times throughout that book. I want to encourage you, since the theme for the year, Stand in the Gap, comes from that book, let me encourage you to read the book of Ezekiel. Let me give you one little hint of something will help you because you're going to notice it very quickly. The book opens with Ezekiel saying that in the 30th year, this is God's vision to me. And before long, you're going to see that it starts over with the 6th year and the 11th year and the 12th year and so on. And you're going to wonder, well, now wait a minute, what's going on? It'll help you to know that it is likely that Ezekiel is counting the 30th year, which is while they were in Babylon, which is probably the fifth year of captivity, because he's counting it from the time that God and his people made an agreement again to keep his law, when the law had been lost, and they were cleaning out the temple and they found it. And the king ordered a day of repentance because we have not kept God's law. And it was from that time until this fifth year in captivity that there was a span of 30 years. Because that was the final time that they agreed to keep the law of God. And the final time that God overlooked it without severe punishment. And he sent them into that 70-year captivity. We go forward now to Ezekiel 22. And notice in verse 30 what may be some of the saddest words in Scripture that I want us to apply to our day and to this entire year. 
and hear God say, I searched for one who would build a wall and who would stand in the gap before me in behalf of this land, but I would not destroy it. But I found no one. How sad is that? God was looking for somebody who would stand there between himself and that sinful world and try to bring it together. Or maybe he's saying, stand in the gap where sin is attacking so that you plug that hole and it doesn't get in and it doesn't bother my people. I want us this year to decide to be people who will stand in the gap for the Lord. There may be no better place to start than to start with the idea that God gave his church to fill that gap. And then tonight we will notice how that each one of us individually have been asked to stand in that gap. Let's go back and think about the gap. In fact, the gap or the separation has been there since the beginning of time, practically. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve had failed God. They ate of the fruit that they were forbidden, and now there was a, separ a separation. Now the gap existed. You've probably wondered. I've been asked many times, and there's no way to answer the question in reality. How long were they in the garden before they sinned and had to be kicked out? Well, <laughs> The Bible doesn't tell us. I have no idea. But all of us know how Satan works. He doesn't sort of sit by and go, I think I'll wait a while, give them a chance to enjoy it. I mean, it's a beautiful place, and let them have some fun for a while, and then I'm going to go get them. I doubt he waited very long. I doubt he spent too much time on the edges before he was in that garden tempting Eve to do the very thing God said do not do. And it occurs to me that the first person who should have stood in the gap was the first one to fail. For the text says that Eve gave to her husband who was with her. It appears that while Satan was tempting Eve, Adam was standing there watching. 
He knew what was going on. He knew what was said. He knew what was going to happen if this failed. But he didn't stand in the gap. And now her sin of deception became his sin of decision. I will die with her. I wish he had stood in the gap. And I wish husbands would still stand in the gap today. But that gap began right there. When there was a great separation. When you have a chance, go back and read the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And I want you to pay attention to the gap. When this separation, when this gap occurred between God and man because of sin in the garden, the very next thing we learn is that all relationships became fractured. Did you eat this fruit? She did it. She did it. The one you gave me, she gave it to me. Separation. The next story we read about, Cain and Abel offer a sacrifice. God accepted Abel's. He did not accept Cain's. And Cain killed Abel. And the relationship was severed. And the world became so bad that God said, I can't stand it anymore. And the world became separated from God, killed in the flood of Noah. Eight people survived. And as they grew and multiplied, the people said, let's stay together. And let's leave a legacy for the world of how great we are. And they had to be separated because that tower they wanted to build was not what God wanted them to do. And those first 11 chapters of Genesis are about the separation, the gaps created in relationships of people because of sin. Sin created that gap. And that sin continued. Those relationships were lost. And as we go through the Old Testament, all we read about is so much discord and disharmony. We come to the New Testament. And by the time of the first century, things haven't changed very much. There's still a great separation. There's still a great gap created. The book of Ephesians says in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, there is still the gap between God and man. 
Oh, sure, they had the Old Testament sacrifice system. But the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. And that gap existed. There was a gap between all people. The Jews hated the Gentiles, and the Gentiles despised the Jews. And there was a, an ongoing problem of relationships between men and women, of inequality when God had created them equal. And between the rich and the poor, where the poor were mistreated and abused by those who were rich. Ephesians 2 describes for us these discord, this disharmony, this separation. And we can read ourselves right into that picture because that's the world in which we live. Oh, but God. God gave the church and his desire for the church was to stand in the gap, to be the gap filler. To stand there and keep those things out. To stand as a defense in behalf of God and for the people. It was an intentional thing with God. Our text just read from Ephesians 3 is a text that says, by his intent and his eternal purpose, the church was created. All of those millennia of separation, discord, gap, was pointing to a time when God by intention would set up a church. And this church would be for all people. For everyone is included now with God. Doesn't matter, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, man, woman. We're all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3 and 28. The church is God's defense. It is God's gap filler for the awful state that we have created as humans in the world. The only question we need to ask is, which church fills the gap? There are hundreds 
of churches that people can be a part of. So it would make sense that if God said for the church to stand in the gap, then I need to know what church stands in the gap for God. Let's consider two or three things in order to answer that question. Isaiah said in chapter 2, starting in verse 2, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah said three important things. One, God intended an action to establish his church, his kingdom. And he wants us to know through Isaiah that it's coming. Number two, it's going to be a church that when it is formed, all people will flow into it from every nation under heaven. And this church, this kingdom, is going to start in the city of Jerusalem. We have an action. We have people. And we have a place. When this church will be established to stand in the gap. Move forward to Jesus. Jesus said, in answer to Peter's question, how could we go anywhere else? You are the Christ. And Jesus said, and you are Peter. And I tell you this upon this rock, the confession that he had just made, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Jesus said, it's coming. Isaiah talked about it. Jesus talked about it. And that church became a reality. When? Jesus continued to say in Matthew 16 and verse some of you standing here who will not taste of death till you see the kingdom of God. Mark 9 and verse 1, many of you will not taste death till you see the kingdom of God come with power. Luke 9 and verse 28, you will see the kingdom of God with your own eyes. 
in Luke 24, 46 to 49, some of the last words Jesus said to his apostles. You go back to Jerusalem and you wait until you are endued with power from on high. For the power will come with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they knew. They didn't know before. Because some of the last words they said to Jesus were, you're now going to give us back our kingdom? Are you now going to restore Israel to its prominence with a kingdom? And Jesus probably just had to say, just wait, you'll get it. Acts chapter 2 opens with these words. And when the, pen, the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. And the house where they were sitting was filled and Tongues like fire sat upon each of them and they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And just like Jesus said, and at just the time and place that Isaiah prophesied, Peter stood up because Jesus had said, Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And as Peter stood up to preach, he inserted the key into that lock. The lock that was presented by Isaiah. The lock that was referenced by Jesus. And Peter turned that key. And he opened that lock. And the floodgates were opened as the church that Jesus intended to fill the gap was established right there in Jerusalem, signaled by the power of the Holy Spirit on untrained, uneducated men speaking languages they had never studied The sermon said, all of you gathered here for this Jewish holiday and feast, 50 days ago, you killed your Messiah. And the text goes on in verse 37 to say, and they were pricked or cut to the heart. And said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he continued. But then, we get these words. 
And that day, there were added to them about 3,000 souls. And the church was born. So what church stands in the gap? Any church has the right to stand in the gap whose history goes to Acts chapter 2 because that was the prophecy of Scripture. Any church has the right to stand in the gap who presents the same message that opened the door the first time you've sinned. The only way to get rid of it is to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if a church was not founded in Acts 2, and doesn't preach the Messiahship of Jesus and the necessity to be immersed in water to be forgiven of the sins that life has thrown at us and that we have given into, that church is not the church that will stand in the gap. Today, I challenge us let us be that church. Let us stand in the gap. Let us preach that Jesus is the Christ. There is no other Messiah, no other way. Let us stand firm on the Word of God that is mocked and abused. This is our creed book. Right here, the Bible. And we should be the church that stands there. Let us be the church that stands true. That salvation is a point at which a person is immersed in water to be forgiven of sins. Let us be that church. And in being that church, let us stand in the gap facing a culture that wants to change us and make us like them. But we dare not give in. Today, will you stand with us Will you be a part of the church that Jesus wants to stand in the gap? If you are yet to be immersed for the forgiveness of sins, we'll do it. If you've not decided to be a part and work and say, this is where I'm going to be and do, and I've sinned and I want to get it right, or I simply want to rededicate and say, I'm going to do better. This time is for you, between you and God, or between you and all of us through our shepherds as we stand and sing together.
We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.